Japan Temple. This week we are doing a non-card reading episode. We're just going to talk about music. We're going to talk mainly about free albums um, this week. So we're going to talk about an older album, which is going to be The Satanist by Behemoth, which came out in 2014. We're going to talk about an album that came out not so recently, but recently enough, which is going to be Girls Weird's Gastir, Ghosts Invited, which came out in 2019. And then we're going to do something a bit more recent, which is going to be Cryptic Shifts, Visitations from Enceladus, which came out in 2020. So, we're going to talk about those albums. This is Floyd. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, I'm Nina. We also have a man behind the camera, Sham, you may hear him laughing at <laughs> certain points during the episode, such as now. Um, okay, so, what did you think of those three albums? What do you want to talk about first? I think we should go in uh, chronological order. Okay. So I think let's start with the, uh, the Satanist, which is, funny enough, and it's my... The thing with the Satanist is, I like it. I do like it a lot, but I would the amount of people that have lauded it is like the best metal album, like the decade, and it won like most year-end lists on the post. I mean, I think it's a very good album. Um, I wouldn't have it at that upper echelon, mm -hmm. and it's not even my favorite Behemoth album. That's the crazy thing. What's your favorite one? I really like Demigod personally. Okay. Well, that was the first album I really got into because, like, um, I got into death metal before I got into black metal, and I really was like a fan of the riff. And it took me a while to appreciate like the atmosphere of the more black metal-y side of the spectrum. So, but by the time the Satanist had come out, like, I was already quite into the black metal side of things. But it was, um, and I think Satanist is a good blend of like, it's almost like every Behemoth album done previously, but kind of meshed into one, which I think is part of the reason why it's so. Successful. Yeah, I think it's like musically, it's a very impressive album. Like, I don't consider myself a Behemoth fan, um, but I do like that album. There's there's many reasons I'm not a Behemoth fan, um, but yeah, like I think musically, it's like super impressive, and I agree with what you say. Like, you can really hear like that bands come into their sound in like a really impressive way on that album. Like, I love the the balance between like rhythm and melody and the vocals. It's all done like so well. It's woven together. Yeah. It's, I think, the story behind it as well, with everything that he kind of went through with the leukemia and then coming back, I think it was quite a, quite a, quite a triumphant return to form for them. Mm. And I think that definitely comes across on the album, because when you listen to like a lot of the previous albums, like even Demigod, for example, there's quite a lot of um, uh, like a dual layering in the vocals and stuff and the way it's delivered. Like it's a bit more, has a bit more of that less human appeal that a lot of death metal tends to have. Mm -hmm. Whereas like the Satanist just felt a bit more raw, was a bit more organic, like there was hardly any effects on the voice. Well, it didn't sound like there was many effects on the voice. And I think it just came across so much more genuine than the other albums did, which is why I think it kind of reached a lot of the metal fandom a lot more than the previous releases. Would you say it's symphonic? Like specifically the first song, Blow Your Trumpets Gabriel? Because there's the inclusion of the brass, but I don't feel like it's like a massive like Dimi Borger-esque. See, I, would, I see the thing is, I would I would say it's symphonic, especially the last track as well with Father or Satan or Son, because it's got like all the trumpets the way it comes in at the end. Yeah. Like it's quite bombastic and it fits well. Yeah. But like it's it's blended well, and that was always my kind of gripe with a lot of symphonic yeah, music. Exactly. It's not blended well. It's like you've got like really harsh like so whether it be tremolo picking or just you know like chromatic riffs. And then the, the, these really, like, obviously just edited straight in, like... This shit synth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, we know your uh, distaste for uh, synths. I fucking hate synths. <laughs> like, I only like very specific, fine, mellow synths. Like, none of that fucking... Yeah. 
shit sip stuff. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I think that's, that's an interesting take. That's a question that I definitely had about the album, like the inclusion of those. And that's something that I think Girls Weird and like Wardruner and bands like that do really well. Yeah. I think that's coming into its own now is like people using like actual instruments or like good synths with things like that. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's when it's genuine, that's the thing. I mean, you can tell it's the actual instruments being used mm. as opposed to just something that's been done on, like, say, like a MIDI keyboard or something. Yeah. Like, you know, it just, it just has, it just gives it that much more of a genuine kind of appeal. And I think that's why the, the saying this just kind of resonates with a lot of people because it's just blended so well. And musically, it's, it's a lot more, uh, I'd say it's probably a, a lot more mid-paced than a lot of Behemoth's previous stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit more accessible in that regard. It's like quite a good structure and flow of the songs. Like it's, it's more like a cohesive album than some of the other works where you could tell there was like, say, nine individual tracks, whereas this one, you kind of, you know, you've got like a crescendo coming up near the middle of songs like Aura, Aura Pro Novus Lucifer, yeah. which is like quite a good kind of mid-paced to, and you've got like even a bit of a breakdown towards the end, whereas like it just, the way it ends with Old Father or Satan or Son is just purely, you know, just like quite slow paced and, you know, quite brooding and just a real bombastic finish to the album. Mm. Yeah, you can tell that the whole thing's been composed and like really well thought out, whereas like some bands are just like, oh, we wrote some songs and we put them in a particular order and that's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something that um, I may have done at some point. But um, yeah, no, it's good. The thing I like most about The Satanist, I'd say, is the cover. Yeah. It's by an artist called Denis Forkas Kostromatin, who's a Russian artist, um, and his stuff is wild. Like, I thoroughly recommend anyone checking out his work on, like, Instagram. He's called at Dennis Forecast Official. I discovered him on Tumblr in, like, 2009 <laughs> when I was a teenager. Like, he was, like, one of my favourite artists for a while. He's actually now done stuff for, like, Wolves in the... Wolves? Wolves in the Throne Room, Grave Miasma, Children of Odin. Um, you know, bands like that. So he's he's well known-ish, but not as well known as certain other artists, I'd say. It's it's a great album cover, and like, and I'm pretty sure this is fact. Did uh, did they not oh, use the some of his mm. cancerous blood yeah. mixing with the palette used I to paint forgot. the face? Yeah, yeah. I always thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's super cool. That is a sick thing to do, literally. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I really like the, like, I like Messi Noir with, like, this, like, Akakokoresque kind of moments where it sounds like a shower in the sand and intractable, like, it's really, there's, like, so much, um, like, variation in the album that I really dig, like, listening, I've listened to it, like, I'd say three or four times, I listened to it again just for this, and it was really nice to go back to it, but yeah, I will say, like, some of the lyrics, though, I, n- I never read the lyrics until I listened to it this time, because I do like reading lyrics if I want to understand an album, and oh my god, I hate the lyrics. <laughs> I really hate the lyrics. They're done so well. Nuggle is so clever, and he's really intelligent, but I mean, yeah, there's a lot to be said for some of the lyrics. Um, I think this is, so I am not cancelling Behemoth. Um, I am not, I'm, I don't want to cancel anyone. I'm just going to, say that there are certain things that people have said about Behemoth um, that are criticisms, such as the fact that Nurgle hangs out apparently with members of Impaled Nazarene who have um, certain views about certain things that aren't exactly views that you would want people to have that are kind. Um, I'm not saying this very well. He hangs out with some Nazi folk um, and basically like, he's also said some stuff that isn't necessarily super left-wing, but he's also not super right-wing, he's just not, he's one of those people that say they're apolitical, so take that as you will. With that in mind, 
he has some lyrics um, that I don't know how I feel about them. So in Blow Your Trumpet's Grave, Gabriel, he has a line where I'm assuming he's taking on the viewpoint of Satan um, and he's criticising God, which is something that Nurgle does because he doesn't like religion, um, which is, you know, fair enough, man. But he, he doesn't like religion to the extent that he's, he, I quote, says, Hosanna, Hosanna, tribe of Judah decimate. Hosanna, Hosanna, root of David eradicate. And I was just thinking, like, who's the tribe of Judah, and who's the root of David, and um, I'm not, you know, I'm not super clued up when it comes to certain bits of the Bible, but I feel like that might be the Jews. Correct me if I'm wrong. See, this is the thing, this is where I think it's, it's interesting and good that we're talking about this, because we're coming from two different perspectives, because right. when, it, when it comes to music for me, mm. like I'll openly admit, I'm one of those guys that never really paid attention to the lyrics. Yeah. I used to, when I used to buy CDs and actually had nothing, I didn't have a mobile phone on yeah. the bus, and I used to actually bring like two or three CDs in with me, so Aww. I was thinking like, oh, I'll have some albums this to on the way in and on the yeah, way back, yeah. and then I'd read the booklets then, but yeah. I'm going to be fully honest, ever since the introduction of like streaming services and even like iTunes, just, I just never went out of my way to study lyrics like and the problem with extreme metal is a lot of it is kind of indecipherable a lot of the time right you know you don't hear that and like you know a lot of the time as well when it comes to music you have to understand like is this the view of the artist is this a view of the artist um through the lens of like another character like you don't know um, and like there's there's a there are lines that need to be drawn in different places and sometimes people are just taking on like a persona however like i personally don't necessarily like this kind of persona no. um, regardless of what he's trying to say I don't think he's saying it in a way that I I want to listen to that because I this is a problem because I love the music in The Satanist yeah but I don't like the words under the music and like that's going to be something that I'm going to try and deal with going forward because I don't know if I'm going to be able to listen to it um, as much as I used to, which was only going to be like once a year anyway so not a big deal for me probably not a big deal for Behemoth fans because if you like Behemoth you like Behemoth but I think it's good to acknowledge these things. Um, but one thing that really impressed me is in Oro Pro Nobis Lucifer, which means pray for us, Lucifer, he basically makes a shit ton of uh, Shakespeare references okay. in, the, in the lyrics, which is like specifically he's referencing a scene in Hamlet where Hamlet is whispering into Ophelia's ear, which is his sister, by the way. He's whispering sweet nothings into her ear. And um, like, let me find the lyrics I wrote down. I wrote down somewhere, and I can barely read my own writing now because I wrote it in a car whilst it was moving at full speed. Um, but basically, he's talking to Ophelia and he's telling her he's referring to sweet nothings and telling her to get her get thee to a nunnery. I'm sure some people who care about Shakespeare recognise the scene. It's a very famous one. But basically, nothing in Shakespearean in Shakespearean slang means vagina. Um, it literally means the lady parts. It's a very sexual term. Um, so the, the term, when you whisper sweet nothings, you're li it literally means you're like saying sexy shit into someone's ear. And getting someone to a nunnery meant getting someone to a whorehouse, because that was the term for a, for a whorehouse was a nunnery. So he's telling his sister to get to a brothel, um, and he's basically like flirting with her. Um, and like Nurgle's basically like referring to this in the context of the Virgin Mary, calling her a massive slut basically. Um, and he also, he also uses old English slang. Um, which is cunning, which, which is where the word cunt comes from, by the way, because um, I'm allowed to say it. Um, so basically, it comes from the word kenning, Old English kenning, which means knowing. In the Bible, knowledge is sex, is sexual knowledge specifically 
like in that in that word. So in in the in Genesis, Adam has knowledge of Eve, which means they they have sex. They they like fuck in the garden, and like the the apple, the tree of knowledge, it's a tree of fucking. Like you know, that's why original sin is sexual. That's why women have always been lauded as like you know horrible sluts in the church. That's the thing. So I, it's cool that Nurgle's acknowledging that and he's aware of it, but he's also like you know dropping C bombs. Um, <laughs> referring to ladies in a rather misogynistic language, um, which is again something that I'm personally not a fan of. I don't really listen to that much, that kind of metal anymore. I did when I was a teenager. I had like I thought I thought it was funny, but I don't really anymore. But I think some people will enjoy it. I think Nurgle's doing some artistic shit. That's my TED talk. Thank you for coming. And well, I've just realised that the word cunning linguist. Yeah. That's, I never realised how close that was to the word cunt before. There you go. It just shows how, <laughs> shows how observant I am. <laughs> but no, it's, um, it's an interesting take and I think it's good to analyse lyrics because I just don't think it's something that's done enough really mm. by a lot of people, and, but it's even by myself especially. Cause, but like, I, I agree, I think the whole use of the, some of the Shakespearean references and stuff, that's quite cool. And it's interesting because I've always had a complicated relationship with Shakespeare because I felt like it was always something that was forced on us at school. Yeah. Like I had to study it every year, no matter which facet of English literature you got to. Oh, they like, teach it so badly. Oh, I know. And yeah. It was like we had to do one for GCSEs and one for A levels and one for uni as well. And like, yeah, I mean, I liked Shakespeare, but it was, I think I was just kind of, it was a bit much by that point. The most metal Shakespeare play is too violent to teach at school. It's called Titus Andronicus. And it's, it's more brutal, I swear to God, than Game of Thrones or anything like that. It's so fucked up. There's a scene where I think the daughter of, of, a, of like an emperor is like raped and her arms are cut off and then she's like impaled on a stick. And then she has like a monologue. And Damn, she's just what? like, la 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 Like there's blood coming. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. There's a film with Anthony Hopkins. Um, of Titus Andronicus. I recommend it. It's like super fucking brutal. It's a good Shakespeare play. It's, it's honestly, it's one of the last that he wrote, I think, where like he just went fucking crazy and it was like, I'm just gonna write something really violent. To be fair, like, I don't know if this is, if anyone's interested, but if anyone is interested in the lyrics I was referring to in Oro Pro Nobis Lucifer, the lyric, the, the specific verse is coming a shroud of Turin on the autopsy of God, creation ex nihilo, creda undone. Creation ex nihilo means creation out of nothing. So that's the kind of like, the whole, the whole song is like, you know, giving birth to shitty stuff. So that, yeah, that's that. But yeah, Titus Andronicus, Shakespeare, blood. Oh, jump on that. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, so that's, um, that's my take on the Hemoth. Basically. Good. Well, you, you quite like the Satan Estate show. Yeah, I love it. It rocks. <laughs> <laughs> I think no, it rocks. I think I his love, Instagram is hilarious. Yeah, I love his Instagram. I love yeah. how he's always sharing pictures of penises. I just think he's great. When he's not being like too much of an edgelord, yeah, I, I find it interesting he's that he's, lord, yeah. he's one of like, the few black metal people that doesn't take himself too seriously. Mm. Although I hate how like all his lyrics say OV. <laughs> of it's just so silly <laughs> it's funny you know um our first um house had a the it was a victorian house that so had the v's instead of the u's oh cool yeah it's always confused me as a child before someone 
explained it to me. So this is what you had to do before you had internet. You just had to live in confusion <laughs> before you could Google something. <laughs> That'd be really confusing running black metal lyrics. Is it a V or a U? What is it? What's going on? Yeah. But what would you... Uh, one thing I was going to ask was if you had to rank the album, what would you rank it on a scale of 1 What's, to 10? Uh, okay, 1 to 10. Mmm, that's complicated. I think I'd give it a 7. Yeah, I think that's... See, this is the thing, because I feel like when you get to a ranking system, it's... I feel like people are always overly generous with our ranking system. I think you're right. Because for me, something like a 10 would have to be something that would have changed my life. Yeah, like, fair enough. So, like, the amount of times, you know, people were thrown out, sort of like nines, eights, and tens sort of willy-nilly. I'm just like, well, I mean, is it really that good of an album? Mm -hmm. I, I would say seven's quite good, because I would say that's, like, a, a pretty damn brilliant album. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you're right. I think, I think for a lot of metalheads, it's a seven. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm giving it a, a rating that's necessarily not my part. I think I'm doing the music journalist rating system where it's not my opinion. So I think my opinion of it is probably a four. Like, <laughs> 4.5. I think if it weren't for the lyrics, I'd give it a good 7, personally. Because musically, it's brilliant. I think it's an 8, for me. Ooh, nice. It's a round, pregnant number. <laughs> it's a round, pregnant number. It is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd go for, I hate to be that guy, I'd probably go for a 7.5. Nice. <laughs> Get into the decimal system. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 7.75. <laughs> Rounded to the nearest yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, it's good, and I think, you know, I, I understand why it's such a successful album. Same, because, yeah. you know, not a lot of people, I think, were too privy to bay him off uh, before that album. Mm. I think especially everything with the story behind it and stuff, because I think just for me personally, I'm more of a fan of sort of Evangelion and, uh, and Demigods, just because I just like the, the meatier, crunchier riffs. I felt like that's what they kind of excelled at. And the more sort of the fast paced tracks like Slave Shall Serve from Demi Gold, probably one of my favourite tracks, and such a good song. <laughs> such a good song. They, they played it live. <laughs> I remember I went with a few friends to watch them. Uh, it was them, Wolves in the Throne Room, and At the Gates. And nice. uh, I will say one thing about Behemoth as well their, their stage show recently mm. has been upped massively. Nice. Like live, they are such. Such a spectacle now, like they've got the whole thing with the, the black confetti that blows out when they, when they start playing Lucifer, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, but when it's funny because like when Slave Shall Serve came on, I was with my friends and I just turned one second he was there and I turned back when like the first blast beat came in and he was already like in the pit, like circling. <laughs> like, it's just, it just that much of a sort of a, a banger. But no, I think that's just the era of Behemoth I kind of liked because I felt like, you know, more... I just felt like they were just so good at writing really aggressive, fast-paced music. And it's, like, gone on to a, a, what I was saying before, like, I like the Satanist from the perspective of how it kind of broke them into more of the metal mainstream consciousness. But for me, I actually think it, it is actually a lot more sanitised than previous efforts. Okay. But a bit more human, maybe, like I was saying, it's a bit rawer and it comes from, you know, especially with everything he experienced and went through and came back with, it's, it's more of a human experience, but at the same time, um, yeah, I just think it was just a bit more sanitized, That's which, really which stopped me from enjoying it as much as previous efforts. Huh, so like, you think it was more commercial? Yes, I don't know if commercial is the right term, I think just... 
it definitely focused more on the atmosphere of the riffs as opposed to the actual mm -hmm. riffs okay. of itself. And, and I will say it's a more of a cohesive effort in the sense that it's more of an album. It's a, it's, it's a work of art, everything even down to the artwork as well. Like it's presented as an actual art piece, which I think was really well done. Like I your favorite part mm -hmm. is the artwork. And I think the artwork actually really reflects the music quite well. Yeah, exactly. To the point, you listen to the music and I can actually picture the artwork in my head. Exactly, like I haven't looked at that artwork in a while, but I know exactly what it is. And it was, it, a lot of people when it came out just made it like the profile picture on like Facebook <laughs> yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's so iconic. Yeah, that, that reminds me of Yob's Our Raw Heart, because that was a similar kind of deal with um, Mike Scheidt like, writing about his illness. Yeah, because he had that, um, what, that diverticulosis or something? Was it something like reticulosis? Yeah, it was like his intestines. It's yeah. a horrible, painful disease. Um, and yeah, he was in the hospital and he thought he was going to die. And like, when after that came out, it was so emotional. And like, I remember me and Shem went to watch um, at the Black Heart. We went to watch a free show that I think Old Empire put on, and everyone was crying. Everyone yeah. cried. Yeah, and like Mike is like so wholesome. I feel like he's the opposite of Nurgle. <laughs> he really is. It's like the opposing end of like Behemoth is is Ryob's album, where it's like a similar kind of deal, but not with the anti-religious stuff, I guess. Yeah. The only the only time I ever saw sort of on mass uh, crying at a gig was um, and uh, I know I know you weren't particularly fond of when you saw them live, but I thought they were amazing. Was a warning? Oh, <laughs> it was 40 Watt Sun that were terrible. I think I cry at warning. Oh, okay, well, fair enough. Yeah, okay. yeah, warning us, oh my God. I cried because there were so few people at warning's last show. It was 40 Watt Sun, wasn't it? No, was it warning? Was it warning? Warning played Desert Fest, it was one of the, I think they might have Oh, it was the last show and no like, one cared. Yeah, the electric yeah. board was like half full. It what was, was that? So, it was so sad, it was man. 2019? Maybe 18, I can't 2018. Yeah, because yeah, I saw them at Damnation, which I think would have been about the same year, 2018. Mm. Yeah. And uh, it was um, it was really, really looking forward to it. And me and my friend Chris were at the front um, just waiting. And um, we were just really amped for it. And we were just excited to hear it. And um, <laughs> they started playing. And before you knew it, we just turned around and just everybody in the front, <laughs> in the front three rows are just sobbing uncontrollably. The first time I listened to that album, I cried. I think yeah. I introduced you to it. I was, like, yeah. I was like, yeah, there's this band called Warning, it'll make yeah, you cry. So and she was like, no, it won't. So said, yeah. <laughs> I ran the car, he's just like, oh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it just gets me, man. He sounds like a depressed Aussie Osborne. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, but it just works so well. Like his, his voice is great. Patrick, I think the singer's name is. Yeah, um, Patrick Walker, I think. I think it is Patrick Walker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it seems like I've had to abandon the fortress. I swore to defend and like oh stuff carry like that. me home yeah oh my sick, god yeah. it is truly the most depressing music I've ever <laughs> listened to and it's like really good if you want to just like cry if you're one of those people that like find it hard to cry like I can do sometimes oh my god but, but yeah, yeah like with a desert fest like he I feel like he wasn't into it I think that was part of the problem I can't imagine. Yeah, exactly. Doing that every night it would be horrible for your mental oh, health. On, I think it was on their second album, or it might have been an EP. Mm -hmm. They'd done an acoustic version of the song uh, Bridges. Oh my god. And it's like, it's even more melancholic no. <laughs> <laughs> and depressing than that. I made the mistake of working out to warn him. <laughs> I was in the gym, I said, you'd be a really good fucking band to listen to while I'm working out. No, it was the slowest reps I've ever done. But it was... Uh, <laughs> Shem, me and Shem used to sing, Shem, I can't do it, but Shem would do it, and he, we'd just like say random, like, completely mundane sentences in the style of warning. <laughs> it's so fun. If you ever want to try it, it's yeah. great. <laughs> but it was just, yeah, I don't know why I decided that warning would be a good workout band. 
Um, I've probably got bored of hate breeds, to be honest. <laughs> got the perfect workout. You should try corn. 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 I, I do listen to corn when I work That's out. That's a good workout. I can't, I can't help it. <laughs> Something about having a man shout, wake the fuck up in my ear. <laughs> that just gets me out. What's the band with room service at the beginning of this song? Hands of Christ. Hands of Christ. Oh room God. service. Room service. <laughs> That's like the best intro of any band I've ever heard. Yeah. Damn, we should have reviewed that album. We should have reviewed all the other albums apart from Behemoth and um, Girls Weird. I'm so sorry everyone who likes Behemoth. <laughs> it's funny because it's such a Similar album, isn't it? I mean, it I feel like well, you ask a lot of like seasoned metal heads. Yeah. I think like you can ask them at any time in their life what the best metal albums of all time would be, and I feel like a lot of people would put this album on there. It reminds me of the Blackening. I think it was a similar kind of reception. You remember when the Blackening came out in like what 2004, 2006, and everyone was like, "This is the album of the decade." The and it was like, sucked. Ashes and Empires was so much better. That's cu- I know. It's like it's everyone weird. hates that album, but I love it. Yeah. Like, I really like that. Is the Blackening the one that had no not to be? All the songs were like 15 no. minutes long and just had like. Oh, so had a song called Halo. Yeah, 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 and everyone just went mental. They were on like the Defenders of the Faith tour, I think, um, that year, and like loads. They had the artwork was really good. It had like a kind of affamey like thing going. Oh. On <laughs> the no, no, the artwork, the cover of Blackening, stolen from another band. No, another band used it before then. Well, it was like yeah. a black border with yeah, like yeah, a. It's just like a yeah. Is it like um? It's like it's got like Latin. I think it's got like ex libris, and it's like a justice. Mm. But she's got like Baphomet titties or something, I don't know. Something I just want to quickly call out my friends who shall remain nameless. Yeah? Who tried to start the uh, the debate that the Blackening is better than Rain and Blood. Why would you do that? Don't know. <laughs> That's but... really, I'm, I'm sorry, Floyd's friend. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're still alone on that, by the way. <laughs> Find no one that will grieve you on even, that one. Even Warning might make a write a song that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think there is a slight incident of kind of like hype overload with this album and a bit of backlash with how much sort of praise and how well it was lauded. Mm. And it's not even a, an album, but the only thing I can compare it to in that regard is something like Breaking Bad. Everyone loved Breaking Bad. Oh my right? god, yeah. Do you remember when it was all anybody could ever talk about was how good Breaking Bad was? And for that reason, I never watched Breaking Bad mm. for mm. ages because I was just like, you know, when, when people say something so good, my initial reaction always is to have the adverse I feel like reaction of not wanting to listen to it. One of the problems with Breaking Bad that kind of made that so particularly annoying was people idolising the guy that you're not supposed to idolise. Oh, like, Heisenberg. Yeah, yeah it's like what, the Rick yeah. and Morty effect. Like people were like glorifying some like dickhead that's like supposed to not be the person you glorify. Yeah. It's like supposed to call out that kind of person and everyone's like, yeah, I want to be a meth dealer. <laughs> it's just, no, <laughs> don't do that. That's not really that cool, is it? Like, meth is... Yeah. Yeah, meth's not cool, kids. Meth is... <laughs> like, do I have to explain this to people? <laughs> I'm sure I don't. But I feel like there should be like, um, you know how you have sex ed at school? There should be like a, a day at school they just bring in a meth addict. And <laughs> they just give him some meth and be like, this is drugs, kids. <laughs> yeah, just, loser, yeah just show pictures of toothless meth addicts. I mean, that's all you need to deter you from that drug. Or just play Tiger King in like year wow. 10. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently Korn were really high on meth when yeah. we were on their first album. Really? Yeah, they all had serious methamphetamine problems. Wow. First couple, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Damn, I did not know that. But I think that's definitely what's happened with uh, the Satanist. Meth. In the sense that, yeah. 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 
I think that <laughs> now that we've covered meth extensively, <laughs> I think that you know there's people that look back and now you know how when it becomes cool to hate something that's really well liked. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like I feel like that's happened to a Monomath a little bit. I feel like they're a sort of band who I think is still at heart quite a good band, but I think that because they've been lauded as like you know one of the best extreme metal bands, a lot of people were just like, eh, it's a bit turned off for them. And I feel like that's what's kind of going to happen with this album a little bit. Because it's got had such high praise and people were like, what was it Loudwire labelled it the um, the album of the decade? I think that's going to cause some people to be overly critical, perhaps. Maybe I'm one of those album. people. Perhaps that's what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah maybe but... I'm trying to be cool. Um, but yeah, no, I can understand that. I feel like they're a very mainstream band now. And I think, good on them. Like, if yeah. you're that successful, I don't think it's a bad thing. And I think, you know, it's good. And like I was saying, the whole thing with the stage show now, like they've really upped it. And I think it's... It's a spectacle that I think is it's not done a lot in certain me metal circles, it's especially not, not death and black metal. Like, I think you know, it should be done much more. Yeah, because yeah. like you know, death metal you go and it's just some dudes in camel shorts and you know band mm -hmm. shirts, but and a lot of black metal is like corpse paint, which most of the time is quite lazy. I feel it's, like it's been done. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't have the same impact as it did in the nineties, right? No, yeah. exactly. We should do something different now. Let's try try something else. Which is why I love um, Portal. You ever seen what they do? I love stuff? Portal! Yeah. Grandfather Clock Portal! Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Daddy Grandfather Clock. It's just great. Yeah, he does other stuff too. Was there one who's like a tree? And there's like the octopus. He does loads of different. It's not just the Grandfather Clock. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you look surprised. Yes, yeah, oh, I love how he does. I haven't seen the tree or the octopus. He, he doesn't just do the Grandfather that. Clock, he does oh, like no. other things too. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. That's some top tier shit though. That is some hard to get into metal portal. It's I mean. not accessible. No. Yeah. Definitely. They were like half cancelled though, weren't they? Is that just because Phil and Sam don't like them? No, no, no. They what like, did they do? I think they uh they were signed to a record label with a guy who had like a swastika tattoo and he put out like Oh my god. But I don't I don't think that like confirmed, but there's like enough of people who are kind of like, maybe these guys are racist, we don't really know. Oh maybe they didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, well I think some guy died and when he died they were like, Oh it's really sad this guy's dead and then it turned out he, the guy who died, he had like a record label that put out loads of like NS stuff. Because oh, no. Australia has like a bit of a problem with this. Like this is quite a state thing. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's like a whole thing with Australia, Shit. extreme heavy metal where there's like a lot of like uh, like socialistic, like oh, racist sucks. people, and it's like a problem there. But I don't think there's no like evidence of Paul themselves having taken the stance. Do you know why Anselmo is like really? <laughs> <laughs> he's always wearing he's a always shirt. That. Do you like Portal? <laughs> That's literally what he said. Like, <laughs> you like Lovecraft? Do you like Portal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the more you mention it, yeah. Yeah, he's still alive at him, and those both two now. Hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> is he a Nazi? Tune in. Um, yeah, so that's that's Behemoth. Shall we move on to? Yeah. So the next one's gonna be Girls Wed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, as I yeah, I, I think it's a really good album. I love yeah. it because I felt like it's um, it's probably a bit of a lazy description of it, but I felt like it's kind of like elements of Gorgoroth mashed together with elements of Wardruna. He literally has a song that I feel references Gorgoroth, like Carving carving the Voices and Carving the Giant by yeah. Gorgoroth, which is my favourite Gorgoroth song. Yeah, it's a great song. It is so good, yeah. I, like, Gal is is a really, like, um, interesting figure. Like, he has an incredible stage presence. He's terrifying. He's fucking scary. Yeah, I saw him once in an enslaved gig, and I was just like, that is a, that is a towering presence of a man. <laughs> <laughs> 
one of the first metal shows, not the first, but when I was about 16, I went to a show which was Gorgoroth, I think it was Septic Flesh, Gorgoroth, Cradle of Filth, and some other band. And Gal did the thing, he used to like point at random people in the crowd and he pointed at me and I screamed. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, shit! He's so, he just like, he'll just like choose like five people who just be like, ah, and he'll be screaming and like doing his thing. It was. And then like a few years later when he played a Bordrun up, I was introduced to him at the Royal Festival Hall and I said absolutely nothing. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is my friend Gal, and I was like... <laughs> <laughs> I just tried to get out of there as soon as I could, because he's, re- <laughs> he's legit exactly the same off stage. He just wears his turtleneck and his glasses <laughs> and... It's, yeah. it's the eyes as well, they're just so, they're so yeah. intense. I don't think I've ever seen that man blink. Yeah, I wonder if he blinks. Yeah. And he blinks every time he uh, abducts someone, tortures them, and feeds them their own blood. So yeah. apparently, something he's done twice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have different strokes, different folks, all that. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> I actually wish, because um, I can't remember if you went. To, did you go to the uh, gig at the Coronet when it was Madrina yeah. enslaved? They had this art show, which I couldn't, I didn't go oh, to because I didn't yeah. have time. Yeah. So I wanted to go and see some of that because I thought that would have been quite cool. But, um, I, I didn't bother because I didn't know who he was. You didn't, yeah, you didn't even know. <laughs> I just walked past it and I was like, why are there pictures here? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is weird. <laughs> but that's one of the things that's so good about um, Roadburn. The, the way they've integrated the art installations there is so cool. That's awesome. Like the year I went, it had Jacob Bannon from Converse just outside one of the stages, just painting shit randomly. Oh, that's so cool. He wasn't even fucking booked, he just decided to turn up because he loves the festival that I much. I love that about Roadburn. Yeah. Walter is so good at curating that festival. Yeah, it's an amazing Foster festival. Roadburn. It's uh, definitely, in my opinion, like one of the best live music experiences I've ever been to. And just hopefully, fingers crossed, things can resume to a point where these sort of things can happen again. Mm, oh, 100%. They're doing like a redux and a, like they're kind of doing some live stuff, I think, this year with Roadburn. Yeah. Not going to be the same, obviously, but they're still trying to push some kind of new music forward. Yeah. But going back to Galsford, um, it's, it's really good. Um, I I think it's got a great atmosphere to it. Mm. Um, I think it's actually got some really good riffs as well. Amazing riffs. Me and Chen have been singing them all day. They're really <laughs> catchy, yeah. Like, And I think it's definitely probably his most uh, varied vocal performance as well. Definitely. I think as a vocalist, it's always something that I enjoy uh, listening to is hearing. Because there's nothing worse than when you hear, like, say, whether it be an album and somebody's just got the same tone of voice yeah. throughout the entire album. And there's not much, not, not much dynamics going on. But um, on that album, like... You could have told me that there was like nine guest vocalists and mm. I could easily believe you because it's just... And there might be, there might actually be some guest vocalists on the album. Perhaps, I've not yeah. done the research on that, same, unfortunately. Same, but, <laughs> I didn't even look at the lyrics, I didn't have time. But like, <laughs> if that is him doing the majority of the vocals on there, like it's a pretty damn good and like very vocal performance. He's got a really haunting voice. Yeah. His voice is almost as scary as he looks. Yeah. Yeah, but in like a cool way. It's like kind of, um, you can you can kind of hear the... The torture he's inflicted on people. <laughs> 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 I have a really weird story about um, Gal. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was going to share it on the podcast. I'll just do it, I'll just like it. So I don't know if this is true. And I was told this more than 10 years ago by someone who apparently did security on um, Gal's South American, North American tour, Gogoroff. And um, they, were, they were doing security, so they were like, you know, in and out, there for the whole tour. This was before anyone knew that Gal was gay. This was before Gal came out. Um, and in Mexico, where it's legal, um, he 
he asked on his rider, and I, I don't know if this happened or not, but he asked for two 14-year-old Mexican boy prostitutes to be delivered to his changing room with a bucket, some water, and some grapes because he wanted to bathe them and feed them grapes. And like, knowing that girls really into wine, I feel like, you know, maybe, I don't know. I don't know what, what happened. Um, I don't know if this is true because, you know, I was just, this is something someone just told me one day. But I'd never forgotten it. And when it came out, like several years later, I, I just could never forget that story. So who knows? This is a piece of gossip. It's not true. It could be, but I don't know if it is. But there you go. There's my story about Carl. Yeah. That brings a whole new meaning to the term rider. <laughs> yes, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> it's actually, I wish I'd got to see it. I've never seen Gorgoroth live. So that's like good. a good lineup. It's a Gorgoroth, Septic Flash. Uh, Cradle of Filth. There was another band, Moonspell. Ah, Moonspell. Yeah, they're, they're Nazis, aren't they? Maybe it was a band of Moon <laughs> in the name. Moonsorum? They were kind of like gothy and awful. Maybe Moonspell. They're more gothic. Are they yeah. Nazis? I Are was introduced to them once. And, uh, I could be wrong. There's a band with moon in their name and it's not going to be. Go moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, Nazis living on the moon. The band. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a really good show. And um, Gorgoroth did the thing with the, the crucified naked people. Ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like, I think I watched like a, some documentary. It might have been Until the Light Takes Us. I don't know if it was like before or, or after it came out. He did the, you know, the interview is like Satan. With a yeah, vine of yeah, yeah, glass, yeah. and they're, they're talking about the crucified people. It was like the first time I'd ever seen a naked person because I was 16. So that was a really interesting show, yeah. First time I ever saw naked people on stage. I say first time, like it's a regular <laughs> occurrence. But um, when I was younger, we were, they used to be in London Bridge, an underground um, rave called The Warp. Nice. And, um, and it was uh, apparently the kids were allowed to come. My mum actually took us to the rave. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was maybe 13, 14 at the time. Obviously, yeah. the, the younger ones didn't come, siblings, but... And um, they had, like, a stage performance, and it was, um, wasn't was so much a stage performance as it was just two people having sex on stage. Holy shit. Yeah. What, how old are you when this happened? 13. Holy fuck. Oh yeah, it was pretty avant-garde yeah. and open and out there. It was a cool thing. It was like a, it was like a, a 24-hour rave. And they had like different, they had like a, a child friendly bit that was cool for the kids. To, Is that uh, where they did the performance? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I think Gar was headlining that. <laughs> I, I, I just want to add a correction. Moonspell are good, apparently. Okay. Moonsoro. Yeah, they, they were just like Moonsoro. friendly Spanish people. I think they were the Spanish. Portuguese. Portuguese. Yeah, Portuguese, so yeah. Sorry. They're like. They were, they were nice, yeah. They're like one of, well, actually, they're probably the most famous Portuguese bands. There's another good, really good uh, black metal Portuguese band, and if you ever checked them out, they're called Garia. If I'm pronouncing that correctly, I don't. I've not it's heard of G A E R E A. They're kind of like doing the whole post black metal, atmospheric black metal sort of thing at the moment, but they're kind of getting a lot of traction. They're doing really well. Huh. So if you want a good Portuguese uh, black metal band to check out, yeah, that's my recommendation. But getting back to Gull's word, <laughs> invited. No, I mean I I really enjoyed it. I mean. Um, I like it. It's, I like how it has similar um, lyrical stylizations that the uh, Wardrina albums had. Yeah, I don't know the significance of the big R because I noticed that oh, Wardrina the, do that as well. Really? It's got gastir, so yeah. it's. Oh, it's like, I think it's a way of pronouncing it, right? Oh, okay. Maybe we're just not pronouncing. I'm so sorry if we're not pronouncing gastir. it. Gastir. Right? Gastir. 
Yeah, it's beautiful. Like, I really love that album. Like, the, the weird political, possibly paedophilia stuff aside, like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> if that's, if it's considered, if it's not true, then it's amazing and I love it and it's like musically incredible. Um, you know, the same deal. Like, I really like the music and I think it's an amazing album and it's like, there should be more bands doing stuff like that. Yeah. You know, it's not openly fascist, which is a relief. That yeah. I know of anyway. I haven't read the lyrics. I, I just read a lot of the lyrics and they seem very safe. It's all about like ravens and Oh thank like, goodness. There's nothing it's thank like God. it's all just very like yeah. open to interpretation. There's nothing like It's not the, like the people of Yeshua or anything like that. <laughs> Eradicate <laughs> yeah. I th I think um I think one thing that hasn't been mentioned yet is that I think it's really cool that God is like openly gay. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, great. Like, yeah. I think it's really like it, like in a scene of a lot of you know like the it's, early black I mean, male people. Were fucking, like, there was someone was murdered because they were gay. Yeah, like, yeah. What's his name? Faust. Faust. Um, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. so. I'm like, not yeah. really a black metal yeah. person, so I don't know these things. Like, Gold's not like first wave black metal, is he? It's probably more like Gold grew off of these. Yeah, because first wave are kind of like your Bathory's and yeah, your Celtic yeah, Frost. Like, like bit kind of pre-black metal as we know it now. But yeah, I'd say Gold would definitely be second wave. Um with like your satiricons and your immortals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say immortal were great. So, yeah. I love immortals. Yeah, yeah. You're never gonna get any problems with a bath. Only, I only him like falling down a hill. He's just too drunk to care about <laughs> being racist. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. That a bath falling down the hill was like the most exciting thing to happen in twenty. Was it 2018? 2019? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a while back. Because yeah. before the, the, the end times Absolutely. occurred, but that was like the biggest news of the year for metalheads. Yeah. That, that video from that bike. Him and, oh yeah! yeah. I love the interview where it's like, my name is Abba! <laughs> it's just, it's just Abba smoking a massive joint saying Abba! It's so funny. He rocks. Yeah, that's great. There's one who's been interviewed by, I think the guy's name is Sam Dunn from oh, I love Headbanger that guy. TV. Headbanger's Journey, that guy. Yeah. It's Headbanger TV, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, <laughs> and the poor dude's just trying to interview him and he's just totally like speeded out or something. <laughs> yeah. And he's just like on a full stream of consciousness. And he just, like, he just cannot be stopped. Like, and he's just fucking having a conversation with himself. <laughs> just cracking his own jokes and it's just amazing. One of my favourite ever metal interviews is when um, that Sam Dunn guy, he interviews uh, Necro Butcher. A wacken. Oh, someone gets really pissed off. Yeah, and everyone's just like, who said that? Fuck those people. <laughs> Fuck you. And he's just yelling, and his, his bandmates just sitting there, just like. <laughs> and he so he's just like, what more can you say? <laughs> you, you know, Necro Butcher lost his shit when we when I saw him live at uh, Damnation just really? this year. Well, he seems actually, a bit precious. I keep saying this year just gone, not forgetting that 2020 <laughs> happened. It didn't exist. Yeah. Sorry, I mean 2019. There was mayhem we're playing. There was some mad sound issues, which I think uh, one of the people from Damnation explained it was because they insisted they had their own sound deck mm. and their own soundboard and didn't want to use the in-house one, oh which is what caused a lot of sound issues. But yeah. He was on stage and there was the sound was just fucking cutting out and all over the place. And he just picked up this war bowl and just dashed on the ground and he was very clearly livid. And I remember at the time, because it wasn't too long after, because remember there was that whole thing he came out and said that he too was on his way to kill Euronymous. <laughs> and we were just cracking jokes like, oh, imagine Euronymous after this performance and I too was on my way to kill the sound guy. <laughs> but, but it ended up actually being quite a good set towards yeah. the end. Um, Turns out the only tracks we missed were the newer tracks and I hadn't listened to that album and it came back in time for Freezing Moon, which is like the, the wonder wall of black metal. 
I think it is. I saw them play at a Hellfest, I think, 20, 2012, 2011, something like that. And they played at midnight, and there was a full moon. Oh, that's cool. It was really cool, but it wasn't very good. Was that when they were touring the the, the mysterious Dom Satanus album? I think so, yeah. yeah. All I remember is I was sitting there, I hadn't slept in a while, and there was just about 50 people urinating behind the tent. It, like, <laughs> so many people urinate. At Hellfest specifically, like yeah. there's a lot of ur- public urination at festivals, but Hellfest in particular, there is some kind of like zeitgeist, some kind of like spirit of the festival. People just piss everywhere. I've seen people pissing next to an empty urinal, away from the urinal. It's incredible. <laughs> I don't understand. But yeah, mayhem. Everyone peed. Like everyone was peeing. It was crazy. <laughs> Reminds me of a joke uh, Frankie Boyle once told. Yeah. He said the most Scottish thing he's ever seen is a Scottish guy leaning up against the door while taking the piss and then when he finishes he takes out his keys and then goes in (laughs) (laughs) I was like yeah that sounds pretty that is brilliant (laughs) that pretty accurately sums up a a lot of festivals (laughs) but it's uh, going back to uh, God's word Castile uninvited invited sorry we keep saying uninvited yeah it's um, one of the things I want to say, was, which I quite like, and I feel like Waldruna do this quite well as well, is um, using the vocals as almost like another percussive sort of instrument. Yeah, definitely. It's like too many times you listen to metal and it's just like, oh fuck, we've written this great music, we need some vocals to put it over oh, the top. Oh, splashing over it, yeah. 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 Whereas like this feels like quite integrated and blended into the album, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it's it's... Because I feel like Wardruna is a bit too ambient and, you know, it's a lot not softer. metal enough for a lot of people in the scene. Whereas Golgoroth might be a bit too second wave for a lot of people. Mm. So I think where this album was good is it really does kind of meet in the middle. Yeah. Kind of presents something and a perfect amalgamation of kind of both sides of that fence. It's really awesome. Like, it's definitely the kind of metal that I like listening to. Like, it just sits so beautifully. It's like, there's groove, there's rhythm, there's not too many, like, there's no super like I don't mind drawn out stuff but it's like so succinct it's concise it's efficient but at the same time you feel like you're already going through like some kind of like um atmospheric experience with it and then like as you say like the vocals are like very percussive like the way he's he's enunciating the words like he really cares about every word that he says it's all so well curated and he really like I love the emphasis on language in Wardruna I feel like he's doing the same thing yeah. Because they're, they're, all the language in Mordrun is all like Old Norse, right? Yeah, it's... the first three albums, all of them are about runes. And yeah. it's like exploring the meanings of each rune and stuff. And like I think they, they continue like this exploration of like Norse um, culture and mythology and stuff, which I really love. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. It's super cool. Yeah. So that's Garlsweird. What would you rate Garlsweird? Yeah. Oh. See, what I like about it is it's got a lot of variety as well, which mm. I like in an album. Yeah. Sometimes. Depends on my mood. Sometimes I like something that's got um, a consistent tone and mood through it. Like, when you know, if you listen to a Warner album, you'll be, <laughs> yeah. you'll be crying in the bathroom for like 35 minutes. There's to no play. Like, jaunty song. Yeah. <laughs> right, there's, no, there's no breakdowns or, a, or blast beat sections in that album. Yeah. But no, I think what I like is there's a lot of variety. Mm. I think that's quite good because one of the things I will say about say Wardruna for example is it could be a bit of a slog to you get through sometimes. You can stop listening after a while. Yeah. yeah. Whereas this album's quite dynamic and I feel like it changes things up enough to keep me interested throughout. And it's not overly long either like a lot of Wardruna albums tend to be like in excess of an hour. 
Whereas, like, and even even on the flip side, like a lot of Gorgorov albums tend to be, and this is one of the issues I have with Marduk as a band. It's just constant blasting a lot of the time, and it's mm. just it could just that could just be a bit impenetrable at times. Yeah, I agree. And there's some tracks on here, like, um, is it Sleeping? Sleeping Giants? No. No Sleeping. No. Oh, I know it's not Sleeping Giants. <laughs> sorry, I can't be more helpful. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I know it's not that. But, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> It is Ghosts and Vites, the title track. Oh. Like, that's quite poppy, I feel. And there's some melodies in there, like some vocal melodies that I feel like are quite accessible. So I think my overall rating would be I would give it personally about seven. Oh. I think this is a seven. I think oh. maybe for me it's a seven point five actually. Oh. Yeah. But I, you know what? I, I like Wardruna a lot as well and I think Wardruna are better overall because this is this is only one album there's nothing else but personally I like this more so I don't know like I don't know if what that means I don't know if I'm, it's just nonsense or what but yeah I think I think the first three Wardruna albums are like my favorite some of my favorite albums in I guess it's not even metal but I consider it metal and they play metal festivals and their shows are incredible they are great they are so Good. If you ever get the chance to catch a Wardruna show, go because they get like ancient instruments out. They have like an, an orchestra of like old music. They're really, I think they're really exploring like the history and culture in a way that's not like fascist, which is what everyone else seems to be doing. So like, I think that's really important. I think that's why I feel that way. I think that more people should do it like that, um, and like not just from that part of the world. So yeah, I like that. And I think Gal is doing his own thing and I feel like it's less culturally important, but I feel, think it's still beautiful and I love it. Yeah. yeah. I think it just, it, it's just so good when you hear artists that draw on um, their own heritage and their own influences yeah. and where they come from in the world. When they're doing just it so genuine. But in the way, like, say, Wardruna do it, like, say, yeah, for example, yeah. like, no, no, I feel like it's turned into a massive flaming session. But when I saw Highland, there was quite a lot of backing track. Oh, okay, you know, yeah. playing live, Robin. But there might not have been backing track, but I thought it sounded like there was a lot of backing track. But it's compared to when Wardruna was doing it, like, every sound on that stage was produced Natural. from the instruments. And they're often instruments that are, you know, like, ancient instruments from, like, Norse mm. history. Yeah, definitely. I wonder if Gal will, will do that with Gal's word. I wonder if he'll try and bring stuff like that in. It's interesting. He, um, trying to think if he played Damnation in 2019. I thought they did play shows, didn't they? I think, I think he yeah. was playing shows. Yeah. So, I think he might have. He was going to play Hellfest. Oh, that was on the lineup that we were going to go to. Was he? Uh, God damn it. I was so excited God, about that lineup. Oh, yeah, that was disgustingly good. Reward. Yeah, I really hope we actually eventually get to Hellfest. Even if Brexit tries to slow us down. Either way, when he does play live, like I, I, I would definitely jump at the chance to watch Same. him perform this material live. Maybe we can see if we can get him on. And you know he actually wanted to call the 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 band or this project Word, or Verd, as how it's pronounced. Mm. But there's another band of that name, so you have to call it Gals yeah. Verd. Uh -huh. So I think he was quite annoyed at the fact that because it's always going to come across like a solo project. It is, isn't it? If his yeah. name's involved, but he's actually, was there's an interview I think done when uh, Roadburn at one year, I think he was saying that um, 
that it's not actually a solo project of him, it's an actual band, mm. but that was just because of the fact that there was already a word, he had to just go for God's word and I'd be really annoyed if I was in a band and someone, one of the members just named it after themselves. Especially if your name was like a Dave. Dave's band. Yeah. <laughs> Dave's word. Dave's word. That's <laughs> <laughs> already translated. Well, Jeff, Jeff's word. Oh, that's Carcass, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Jeff Walker presents Carcass. <laughs> I think um, Girls Weird sounds a bit like a missing enslaved album. Yeah, oh, I'm glad yeah. you said that because there's definitely some enslaved esque moments definitely, on there. Yeah. Feels a bit like if Enslaved wrote an album and like the vocals were the most important thing. Mm. It, yeah. Like there's like there's something about the I don't know if it's like the the scales and stuff they use. I don't know, but but yeah, it evoked like. The first time I listened to Retir by by Enslaved, oh. like I just was just taken on a freaking journey. You know, like I listen to that album, and then when it ends, I like feel like I'm waking up from a dream. Mm. Right? Yeah, and it's like that album taking places, and Girls Weird does the same thing. Like I can't distinguish between the songs. It's a whole journey, and I just feel like I'm in some weird interdimensional labyrinth where I can kind of see strange things around me I don't quite understand, and you know. Just other bands don't always do that for me. I feel like the drumming is a big important part of it. I feel like it's the same in the Satanist. Yes, the spear in that sort of the drum beat in this, that's amazing. The drumming is like really advanced. Like they don't just stay on a beat. Like it's constantly changing. They're constantly like in, it's in, and it's just interacting with the other instruments, which I think some bands fall down. And they like obviously don't do the amateur thing of just staying in four four all the time. Yeah, which is like the worst. It helps that the drums are quite quite well mixed because mm. I think too many times when you can hear the drums, it always overpowers a lot of the music and just miss so much of the nuances that yeah. you wouldn't have caught otherwise. Yeah, it's such a difficult thing to do to interweave instruments in that way because like it's you can't you can't write them all at the same time unless you're like Mozart or some shit. Maybe these people do, but like most people start with like one or two and then add everything else. And then sometimes you like you start tweaking it and varying it, but it feels like it feels so interwoven and intertwined. Like it's it's all like woven in together so yeah. deeply you can't necessarily tell what it started with. I can't anyway, I'm sure some yeah. people could. Yeah. It's no, I agree. I think Shen brings up a good point about kind of listening to it as a whole album. And I felt like that's people that didn't grow up with say either CDs, tapes or vinyls. I feel like they don't appreciate the fact that a lot of albums are constructed to be listened to mm -hmm. all the way through. Yeah. And she said the the sort of short attention span age of music consumption we live in now is just it's like I feel like there's a lot of stuff that doesn't get appreciated because you just go onto Spotify, you'll listen to maybe the first five tracks, which are often not even from the same albums, mm -hmm. and they're all out of sync and stuff. And I feel like it's just not a good representation. Yeah. of what an artist is about. Like, I'm definitely of the belief that if you want to really get a good grip on what an artist is trying to portray, you've just got to listen to the album all the way through. Yeah, I agree. I like something, this is going to probably sound pretentious, but something I don't enjoy, I don't necessarily always look out for it, but something I like looking at in an album is how tracks are joined together. Like, I really like seeing if people actually join them, how they join them, like where they cut a song into the next one, because sometimes something will come on shuffle and you can tell, like, there's part of the previous song on the track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, like, I find stuff like that interesting. Like, yeah. it's, and some people do it really well, some people, like, just do it, whatever. But, like, I like hearing stuff like that. And I feel like these albums that we all like have, like, really smooth um, transitions between songs that are, like, really well considered. Mm. Yeah. 
That's a very good point. Yeah, because that's happened when I've shuffled a song and it's just like you just, you can hear like the, the a droned out riff yeah. from like a previous song. Yeah. You hear like an echo, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, what, what would you rank it, Shem? Uh, 8.5, it rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Shem's word. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to Visitations from Enceladus by Cryptic Shift. Did I get it all right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Sick. I didn't say spectral shift, voice, Hector, um, etc. <laughs> Visitations from Enchilada. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a moon, isn't it? It's, it's uh, one of Saturn's moons. Saturn's moons, yeah. It's five hundred kilometers across. Yeah. Um, it is named after one of the Titans, of which Saturn's original namesake Cronus was the head of. Yes. Um, and it is a really cool moon because it's got volcanoes at the at both poles. And the volcanoes. Oh, is that this moon? It's the, okay, it's the frozen okay. ocean moon, and yeah. the volcanoes spew sodium chloride crystals and ice into space. And you can there's like pictures from Voyager two. Yeah. Um, I think maybe Cassini because Voyager one discovered it. Voyager um, one's like is Voyager one past Pluto now? Or I think is it's, it? that's the one from like the seventies or something. Yeah. It's a really old one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Voyager one's just gone. Yeah. Um, it's like in in deep space now. I think it's deep space. I'm not an astronomer. Um, but yeah. So Enceladus is a really cool moon. It's an interesting moon. And like I really like it. I like how they named it. And the lyrics are sick. Cryptic yeah. shift. Your lyrics are sick. Thank you so much for writing sick lyrics. I think really good. It, it's something I think's happened in like it's funny because this was a thing I feel like in the early nineties the whole cosmic death metal thing mm. I feel like it's had a bit of a resurgence with bands like Blood Incantation mm. kind of like artificial brain things I think it's oh, such so a cool <laughs> <laughs> fucking love it yeah it's such a good band it's such a good marriage of lyrics and music I think yeah. the whole cosmic. Space is sick. Is, I mean, yeah, half of my lyrics are about space, so like I'm I'm like one of the people but yeah it's brutal as fuck yeah it's such like, a good album even when you think about what happens to the human body if it was in space like, oh, what, like your eyes just boil and you, you know, kind of like turn inside out basically yeah yeah oh, someone was telling me if you go into a black hole for first something happens called spaghettification oh. so you stretch out infinitely but like you're you're okay but then your legs are just like for like ever literally <laughs> yeah. forever you're just being strung out until you're like a single molecule <laughs> Molecule, molecule long, and then just sucked in. Monocle. See, single monocle. I just, I just thought Interstellar had it right. Have you seen Interstellar? Oh, it's a good film. Yeah. yeah when you go to a black hole, you transform into a fourth dimensional bookcase. Have you not seen Interstellar? But it's supposed to be a continuation of 2001 A Space Odyssey, right? Which is one of my favourite fucking films. That's a continuation. I think it's supposed to be like related. Yeah, yeah, like. It's like supposed to be spiritually. Yeah. Spiritually. Yeah, there's nothing people say, it's like a spiritual successor. A spiritual successor, no, yeah. in, in terms of the narrative, there was supposed to be some connection to it. Oh, oh yeah. there's, there's literally a connection. Am I imagining this? Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I feel, I maybe you can Google it. Maybe you can be like that guy on Joe Rogan that Joe Rogan's just pull like... Pull that shit up. <laughs> pull that up. Pull that shit up. Yeah. <laughs> Except I've got an iPhone that's on 1% of the broken screen. <laughs> <laughs> This hey, hey you can still, hey, but that's not an excuse. I've seen your drawings. You can draw them easily <laughs> in that fucking phone. You're really good yeah. at drawing on his phone. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so like, in, in, in um, have you seen 2001 A Space Odyssey? I haven't. So there's there's a scene. Oh, it's a spoiler. It's that one with the robot Hal. I'm yeah. Like, How? Will I dream? Just, just say it to me. I don't care. I'm, I'm, I've spent 30 odd years not watching it. Okay, I, I, I can handle a spoiler. It is one of the best films ever made, to be fair. I thoroughly recommend it if you're ever bored. Stanley Kubrick? I believe yeah. it's Kubrick, yeah. yeah. How did you do that, Hal? <laughs> is it Dave? It's Hal. No, the machine's called Hal. What does he say? I can't let you oh, see Oh, it's Dave. Yeah, it's Dave. Yeah, it's Dave. 
Yeah. It's so fucking creepy. Oh, is that what that's from? I need to watch it. It's a really good. The first half hour has no no dialogue. Yeah. And it's just like apes being like, do, 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 do. It's so epic, and there's these monoliths. But at the end of the film, there's a scene where the dude, I think it's at Saturn, actually. I think it's at Saturn. There's like a, a portal, it's like a big monolith, and the dude goes through it. And like the the way they represent it on the screen is so well done. Because you don't see it. You only see him seeing it. Yeah. And you kind of see stuff reflected in the guy's helmet. Yeah. So you see these like weird lights and you see his face completely yeah. change. And he says this line, he just goes, my God, it's full of stars. Mm. And that's all you know. Yeah, that's, 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 that's right, sick. It's, <laughs> it gives you goosebumps. Yeah, 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 that's like, quite cool. It's so good. But then, and then there's the embryo, right? The embryo. Is that what happened? I can't remember. There's I an embryo floating in space, yeah. Oh my god. I'm pretty sure. That's it's why, so I good. I don't think I was high last time I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I've never watched it high. Um, but high in Amsterdam, of course. <laughs> you know, in Amsterdam, yeah, in a legal environment. Um, <laughs> the cafe. <laughs> watching Space Odyssey on your phone. <laughs> also, the machine is called HAL because its name is all the letters of its name are one letter removed from IBM. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, oh yeah, shit. And okay. basically, like a bit of it, like the whole thing is just like the fear of like um, machinery becoming more and more prevalent in our lives. Skynet. Yeah. And then turning on us, kind of, that's a whole big thing. And actually, I, I believe in part of the film, they actually. Uh, on one of the characters' faces, they literally like the they show like a torch, and it's like the IBM logo, and it's not immediately obvious. And oh no way! It. But like, yeah, it's yeah. like super like they do explore the link. They explore the link between like capitalism mm. and like machinery and humanity and what that means and like what that will mean like like the foreign these like monoliths and like they're they're implied as being like a force of evolution within mankind. You're like, mm. are they there because the because Hal is evolving? I haven't seen it in years, so I, I could just be full of shit. But it's fascinating, and like the the computer's just like it, it's it's obsessed with dreaming. It's like, am I going to dream? What will yeah. it be like when I'm turned off? Like this computer is aware that there's like some kind of mechanic death that awaits itself when it's being like dismantled. Silicon heaven. Yeah, it's trying to defend itself, which is something like a thing that is alive would do. Right. So like you're exploring like all these different like ethical. It sounds a bit like what Prometheus tried to do, but not shit. Yeah, it's really not shit at all. And Prometheus like looks cool, but was shit. Yeah, yeah. It's um, you know about the um, conspiracy theory and which one about Kubrick and the moon landing. Well, they, they think he filmed it. Yeah, yeah there's loads of bits. Yeah, about <laughs> like, yeah. yeah they they saw they watched Space Odyssey and was just like, let's get this guy to film the moon landing. And yeah, he'd do a good job. Yeah, I feel like he would have done it better if he'd done it. Yeah, that's the thing. If the moon landing was fake, surely it'd look a bit more... It would more... look great. Yeah, it's yeah. Really, it would look good and not as shit as it actually did. If it was Kubrick, it would be so sick. Yeah. I want Kubrick to film the moon landings this time. Like, yeah. can he just do a moon landings film? That'd be great. Yeah. Oh. You know the Prometheus, did you see the... It's such a shame that it ended up the way it did, because the, the navigators in the original scripts, I believe... So you know, the, like they, the they, they take hedge engineer yeah. motherfuckers. So, like, obviously they're based off the creature from the first alien that's, like, in the chair. The space jockey. Like, yeah, the space jockey yeah. is supposed to be navigator right um and those things are supposed to be just like how they look they're not supposed to be suits but in one of the original um uh scripts for prometheus basically they were genderless they, they only had one gender okay and they have this they had some form of mind control and they are basically in one of the early scripts for prometheus they tried to make two of the male members of the crew have sex to procreate and they can't understand why they can't get them to procreate because they don't understand because they only have one gender <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, that would have been like pretty, super interesting really idea. Really interesting. Yeah. yeah like, it's very, honestly, like, gay sex on film is so rare. It's so fucking rare. We were watching American Gods, and there's, like, a really, like, there's a very sexual scene between two not, like, conventionally hot men. And it's yeah. like, like, it, was, it wasn't it was shocking, but we were like, that's never happened before. We've never seen anything like that. It's cool it, how, and like, it's, and they've done it really ways, well. Yeah. yeah, and at the, at the end, like, one of them is, like, a gin, and he, like, he, he climaxes, and, like, the dude fills with fire. <laughs> it's, it's really super dreamy, man. It's, it's, it's legit. <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10 would recommend. 10 out of 10, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that dude needs to book a ticket to the STD clinic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sharp. But yeah, anyway, cryptic shifts. Cryptic shifts. <laughs> Moving on from gay sex to cryptic shifts. Yeah, um, cryptic shift is so cool, man. Like, I really love that album. I I had never listened to it. Sham recommended it. I think you'd listened to it before as well. I listened to the EP before, not okay. the new album. Yeah, but yeah. it was. For me, like, because I didn't know what to expect, I, I heard loads of jazz influences. There's like jazz style riffs, the drums at times have like hardcore, and like I wrote down it sounds like a planet collapsing like to freeform jazz. It's just so like, it's kind of chaotic at first, but then you start hearing, like you kind of hear this, it's like um, frantic energy. But it's like very controlled at the same time and it sounds mm. chaotic but it is like someone just like touching loads of like bleepy things in a cockpit and like if you read the lyrics like the lyrics for the, the first song is like 26 minutes long yeah and it's called um moon belt immolator moon belt immolator which is sick um and it's like the the, the way it's written is kind of stream of consciousness it reminds me a little bit of alcis Narose, like the way the lyrics are written i wonder if like they're fans of sleep i mean who isn't but um, yeah, so it's like that. It's very similar to like some like American poetry that I it's very wanky and most people wouldn't have read. But I really like it. I like it. Reminds me of like hard science fiction, um, and it's like very much like factual. And they're like they're putting in like like terms that are like kind of scientific, but then they're kind of mixing them with like you know there are aliens here. And then like in the later songs, they start referring to words which I think are Akkadian. So I think they're referring no to like tenth planet stuff. And like the whole Nibiru theory and like, you know, Ike, etc. So I don't know. What well, Nibiru's the hidden planet, is the that planet, planet X? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting you mentioned jazz because the first band that it kind of came into my mind while this the album was Atheist. I don't know if you ever listened to Atheist. I love Atheist. But they're so jazzy, like yeah. Atheist. And and though they were doing that shit in the early nineties. Yeah. And it just never kicked off. People went into it. I don't it know why they're not bigger. They're so but, good. But like unquestionable presence is like such a sick album by Atheist. But but well, you know Atheist were recording that album in the same studio. Um, they Def. recorded that first, and then Def were in the same studio, and then Def wrote Human pretty much directly after they recorded it in the same studio. And Cynic as well were in the same studio before they were in Def and wrote Human with De with Chuck Schuldinger. That's crazy. But they were all in the same studio and they witnessed. Yeah. Um, atheist recording. Yeah, that's that's mental. Yeah, mm. yeah. But it's just God the metal. It's funny how death metal peaked as soon as it started. <laughs> <laughs> so true. But it's um, but no, I think that's like I heard a bit of atheists. Like it's it's funny because obviously they're listed as like a, a cryptic shift listed as like a technical sort of thrash band. Mm. I didn't really get the thrash elements um, in this album, but like the first EP. Um, or one of the first EPs they released, which is called, it was uh, Beyond Celestial Realms. Nice. That 
Uh, that's only like 23 minutes, but that proper goes for the jugular, and you can really hear the thrash elements in that. Sick. So it's yeah. a bit more similar to like a vector kind of like sci-fi thrash attack. Whereas what I loved about this album is is it's obviously a lot more atmospheric, and there's a lot more dissonant riffs, mm. and it's more kind of discordant. But like I said, like it, it's there's elements of that freeform jazzy thing, but it's done. It's woven in a web that's still yeah. quite tight. Definitely. And it's got enough structure that keeps it all together because mm-hmm. that shit can easily become unlistenable. I think, yeah, if it's too like loose. Yeah, but like and you know what? What a fuck! I mean, hats off to them for opening the album with a twenty-six minute. Yeah, and the track. intro is like so long as well. Yeah. I was like really waiting for it to kick off, and when it did, I was like, I was glad the intro was there to like yeah. warm me up to like that fucking chaos. Yeah. Ensued afterwards. But I was really, really impressed. I just there's something I love about really schizophrenic death metal. Just Same. the it's fact really that you've well. got like twenty five million riffs in one song mm-hmm. and, and yet they can still make it sound like a good song. Yeah, and there's like a narrative as well and it's yeah. reflected in the music. There's like a bit towards the end and it sounds a bit like Holst Planets, like twenty minutes into yeah. the first song. And I was listening to it, I was like, Oh my god, that's Holst and like he literally has a sweep for Saturn. You know, yeah. and like I, I can't remember if it was like the Mars theme or the Saturn theme, but I was like, and like I even the way the intervals and the guitars and the tone on the guitars, it sounded like the brass in the orchestral theme for that particular movement. I was really impressed by that. Like I like that they were like, you know, hinting at like I just love space shit and I love celestial shit. I love how geeky these guys are being about yeah. this stuff. And it's funny because like I feel like there's going to be a lot of comparisons made to say Blood Incantation, for example, mm. but I actually think it's very different. I think it's only good, it's got links to Blood Incantation in the sense that they're both sort of space themed. Yeah. But I feel like Blood Incantation is very classic, almost Morbid mm-hmm. Angel style yeah. death metal. And they've got one track that's like super long on the on the Blood Incantation album as well. Mm. But this is just more in the vein of like Cool Guts. Yeah, even yeah, there's some some riffs here really remind me of like Obscura era Gore Guts, like super, super janky and just absolutely just out there and that's what i loved so that's one of the things that got me into death metal in the first place just how out there it sounded and how Same. different it was mm. from the rest of the metal scene and i felt like it's weird because death metal kind of like I mean, it's fragmented itself because you've got technical death metal which is just pure guitar wankery that's probably got more in common with the ingway mouse scene yeah than it does like the only bands like atheist and cynic but um but obviously things have splintered off, but I'm loving this like kind of new revival of like cosmic death metal in all its forms, whether it be like the more like lumbering, morbid angel style or like this really like sort of spazzy, super technical, super like hyper sci-fi blackened death thrash. <laughs> you can update the metal archives uh, <laughs> genre of that if you want. I don't go into the archives, I'm not, uh, like, you, you don't have luck with it, I'm not a member. <laughs> I just go on it to like work out if I'm wrong about something basically. Yeah, it's a fucking, it's such a, what have I written? It's such a good album, man. Like, I really recommend this album. I don't know what I'd rate it. It's really difficult to rate it alongside like classics like The Satanist. I'm not sure. Yeah, it, it's a strange one because I feel like, and even the concepts of ratings, like each rating's gonna have a different context. Yeah, exactly. And like it's hard to compare ratings because, like, when you listen to a new album for the first time, you're gonna have a certain fervor, fervor in like for that album because it's something that's super fresh. You're like, oh my god, I super, I really dig that. Mm. Whereas like the Satan, this is something I've listened to about thirty odd times or however many times, and it's something that's embedded into my brain now. Yeah. But it's. It's it's hard to rate something that's only been out for a few months because you don't know the last and the appeal it's going to have until that time has elapsed. Mm-hmm. 
but like I I was super impressed with it like I loved it I think it's much better than the EP yeah. so as much as I really liked the EP um, I felt like that was more of a straightforward kind of like going for the jugular assault whereas like this was more well thought out it was more dynamic and it had like even like the intro to um Moonbeam. Moonbeam. Moonbeam cobbler. Moonbelt emulator. Moonbelt emulator. Yeah. Like, so this is a bit of like what I was saying earlier. When you spend time in quarantine and lockdown, I've just forgotten how to speak English. <laughs> yes, but, yeah, but the like, Moonbelt emulator was just such a such a bold way to open an album and I think they actually pulled it off really well. Yeah, it was like it's kind of a statement, isn't it? It's just like, well fuck you, here's a twenty-six minute track. That's the opened the album. Yeah. That's got about ten tracks in it already, just merged into one cohesive track. You know what? There was a period. You know when like Doom was really huge for a couple of years, and yeah. it was like all oh, like everyone was just talking about Doom. I feel like as that died down, there was definitely a whole wave of bands that were like, "Oh, Dope Smoke is really cool. We're gonna do a long song. We're gonna do like a forty-minute song, an hour-long song." And this doesn't fall into that category for me. It's no. like, yeah, I think that's a true stand because. For me now, when I see a super long song, I'm a bit kind of like wary. I'm like, oh, is this just like gimmicky thing now? Because so many people fail at that, but these guys definitely don't fall into that trap. Nah, it's almost like Moonbelt Immolator is the album. Yeah. And the other tracks are the bonus tracks. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But it's like, but it still blends together really well. I think one of the things that's quite that I think is quite impressive about the album as well is the fact that. Because I think normally a lot of bands would save the really long song as the last track. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Whereas by putting that first and then the, the the tracks lesser in length afterwards, I think it would be very easy for those tracks to be quite overshadowed. Definitely, by yeah. the initial track, but they've done a good job of creating even the, the the short tracks, making them still as interesting as the other track and their own kind of entities. If I remember correctly, the two tracks following are seven, seven, seven and a half minutes, and then the last track is five and a half minutes. Yeah. So like it, they they taper it off like significantly at the end. I wonder if that was like just how Which it ended is, up, yeah. or like if they did it on purpose. Yeah. And just got some really, and there's there's actually some real groove in the album as well. Like there's some so really groovy, groovy proper death metal and thrashy riffs as well, mm. which I just love. I just love the whole just the moshy sort of riffs. Yeah. There was a really interesting thing, I don't know if you guys felt the same way, so I'd be interested to see what you think about this, but when I was listening to it, there's almost like, I don't know how to describe it, because it sounds almost happy in parts, but they're not using major keys, it's not like like Aether of Flame, or like, that new Afterbirth record does it as well, they use yeah. like major scale stuff, and it's amazing and different, but it's not like that. There's something really clever and unique about the comp. I don't. I'm not quite sure what composition at all they use, but I definitely felt like parts of it were happy and not in a corny kind of way either. It felt like. I feel like it was it, the rhythm and the speed. I feel like there's bits of Moonbelt Emulator where, like, the bass and the drums are like jumping. Oh, the the bass tone like, is great as well. Yeah, they're like yeah. really like really quickly jumping, and then everything else is happening around it, like spinning around it, and that's like the center. And it's like this kind of like frantic, like, I just imagine, it sounds stupid, I imagine like a flea jumping up or something. <laughs> and the bass is like, duh, and the drum's like, ugh, you know, it's like this, this energy. Are they, they're a four piece, aren't they? So they must be two guitars, yeah. They're from Leeds? They're from Leeds, yeah. Yeah. They've got bands since they're in secondary school, I think. Cryptic Shift, if you're watching, you're invited. Yeah, come. four. <laughs> come, we'll do your cards. You know you said a lot about the bass, like a flea. Do you think that's why flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers oh <laughs> chose that name? You know the ukulele is a Hawaiian word for flea, jumping flea, because that's how oh, it sounds. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Oh. Yeah. 
but it's um i think no the, the bass was amazing like even in the intro to um mm. the the first track i think it's just the the bass lines and that were just ridiculous and just mm. jumping about all over the place yeah no sorry i just remembered after you said that that they they, they use a vocoder on the vocals a bunch uh, I really like that. I think that was really cool. Yeah, it's, it's cool when it's done. It, it makes sense in given the context of the lyrical inspiration and stuff, like it, to have that sort of. Mm, yeah, definitely. Because like Gojira done that on one of their albums, uh, The Way of All Flesh. They've got kind of like slightly vocoded vocals, and it's kind of jarred people Gojira. a bit. But like this, it makes complete sense. Just don't like Gojira. I've tried so many times, man. Really? Uh, I, can't, I can't lie. I you know what? Gojira. I was I was at like a barbecue once or something like that, and someone someone played like a new Gojira album. My boyfriend, I was like, this is okay. But then they played like I Hate God afterwards, and I was like, the, the comparison between the two, I was like, oh, Gojira garbage. Like, it's so weird. Like I don't know what it is, but I just can't get into them. I think they're a good band. I think oh, they're good. Well. They're, they're, I'm really they're glad that, like, musicians. I'm, I'm sure glad they're just people. another band from an English-speaking country. That like, it's really nice that there are like countries that aren't like the UK and America that have like really massive metal bands. And mm. I just, it's just really nice like that they've Absolutely. done really well. And I, I, I'm not a huge Gojira fan myself, but I do think that like they're legit musicians and, and stuff. But yeah, I think I see why you would feel that way. Plus, like we kind of, all of us have like a, uh, we started listening to like death metal and shit like really heavy shit when we start listening to metal so like we're probably not going to enjoy like the softer stuff as much like in that respect I don't yeah. know but they're super important they're really good oh definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. band for people to get into heavier stuff that's they're, the they're thing. really good they're yeah. a gateway band I'd say yeah 100% a gateway band in the same way a band like Slipknot is because yeah. Gojira do have a lot of commercial appeal definitely which is why like there's that YouTube um, channel of reactors these two dudes from Las Vegas, they're called Lost in Vegas, and they just like lose their like predominantly like hip hop and rap and soul fans, and they've just been losing their shit every time they hear Gojira. So, so I think they're really good at um, portraying groove in a way that's accessible for anybody to listen to it. Definitely, yeah. I think a lot of gateway bands get so much shit for just being a gateway band. I think yeah. if you're a gateway band, you're you're succeeding. Like that's yeah. really good. If someone who doesn't like metal can listen to you and be like, I'm gonna listen to metal now. If you can like get someone who's never cared about a genre to just suddenly care about it and like mm. want to explore it, I think that's really good. You know, I don't and, think it matters. And it's good for the scene. Like it's important yeah. to have those bands because I'm not being funny. Like I listened to Morbid Angel before I listened to Gojira. So the first time I heard Gojira, I was like, oh my god, that's that's uh, where the slime lives. But, yes, um, that's why. That's my problem with them. Yeah, and I was like, every and, every song is just where the slime lives. Yeah, yeah, they, they definitely are heavily influenced by that song. <laughs> But do you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of people that will be listening to Gojira that will then listen to Morbid Angel. And I'm not being funny, if you listen to Morbid Angel before you do Gojira without any exposure to metal, then you're going to be completely turned off. I mean, the only time I've ever listened to Morbid Angel was the worst Morbid Angel song. Oh, God, we were going to review this album. Don't we have to review it at some point? That's that's a three-hour podcast in itself. Uh, just I mean, like, around. what the fuck? I love Evil Dave, man. He's so cool. Like, I saw them play Hellfest. Like, there was a year they came out. I went and I was like, "What is this?" And I just left. They started playing it live, and everyone was booing. I think, and I just left. And I'm going like, yeah, I, I never listened to anything else by them because, like, I just can't take them seriously. But I'm sure they're, they're obviously an amazing band. Evil Dave rocks. <laughs> weird looking hair. He's so cool. What's going on? It's so shiny. It looks like it's like plastic. It's just glued it onto his head. What's going on there? PVC trousers. Oh, and the like... soul patch. He's the coolest rock band ever. Mate, legend. <laughs> Miss me with that shit. Oh, we'll say Pete Sandoval, the drummer of Morbid Angel, does not get enough recognition as a drummer. 
that dude like pioneered a lot of death metal drum techniques that a lot of bands use. Like everybody will credit like Dave Lombardo as being the drummer, but Pete Sandel from Morbid Angel is the guy. And it's funny enough, going back to Cryptic Shift, like the vocals on the album actually reminded me a bit of um, Steve Tucker. You were a morbid angel and a bit like a, what's his name from Gorguts, Luke LeMay. Yeah, yeah. Like I had quite a similar tone, yeah, kind of that mid-range yeah. tone, which I quite like. Yeah. Which I think fits the album too, uh, quite well, because I think one of the problems with a lot of death metal these days is a lot of vocalists have went too guttural to the point where it just becomes ridiculous and it, it sounds, sounds like stupid. Yeah. yeah, it just sounds like a fucking toilet being flushed. It does. Yeah. Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bubbly, burpy shit like, sound. Like the only band I think that done it well was Devilic, which are. Uh, I think I listened to them once. They're a Finnish death metal band. They released one album called Nespith or Nespith, however you pronounce it, and they've got like the most complicated song titles ever. And funnily enough, they're also in the uber uber technical nice. death metal band. And a lot of actually Cryptic Shift's album really reminds me of Devilic at time. It has that same tone, which is even. Like that slightly happy tone you were talking about. Mm. Like both bands have that kind of, it's kind of like a, a bit of a jolly feel to the riffs. Like upbeat, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I like that. I dig that. So Cryptic Shift, fucking good album, really good band. Like every single member of that band must be incredible musicians for them all to be able to play that music. Yeah. Yeah, like you can't just do that if like one member's a little bit shit. So 10 out of 10, Cryptic Shift. Um, what are we going to actually rate them though? Oh, I would say, I would give it, so it's going to be so boring because all my brains have been so similar. <laughs> 7.2? <2? laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be diplomatic, 7.25. <laughs> now, um, I think, okay, I'm going to give two ratings. Um, and what I mean by this is, because I think it's fair to rate them as a new artist. Yeah. And how much impact it's had in an immediate sense. Mm. And for that reason, I'd give it like a solid 8.5. I agree, I think it's, I, I'd give it an eight. Yeah. Yeah. So I really, really liked it, really took me by surprise. Mm. And I think, you know, how it will be rated among other albums is something that I'll only be able to do when, when once the album's been out for a few years. Yeah, I get you, so. I get you. I think we're very similar then. Like, I just well, overthink reviewing shit, basically. <laughs> I overthink everything, yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, really good album. Like, I, I really, really heavily enjoyed it, so kudos to those guys for creating a, a good pe bit of art there. Yeah, I definitely want to reach out to those guys and, and like, just give them a, a big old thumbs up. Thank you so much, Cryptic Shift. Visitations from Enceladus. Cool name. So cool to see some, like, hard sci-fi out there and not just, like, space is cool and aliens. Like, it's, like, legit stuff and like they're going into that 10th planet shit which um as long as it's not like going into the whole like weird anti-semitic side of it that's really cool you know well is there an anti-semitic side to it's the 10th planet always an anti-semitic side what they think that the 10th planet's going to crash into israel or there's, something? there's always some kind of zionist lizard alien oh. shit going on oh yeah. of course yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah 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 but like i'm sure it's i'm sure they're very sound guys who aren't that kind of person so well done cryptic shift unless you are that kind of person in which case let us know so we can change all of our ratings so we can change our ratings <laughs> yeah change our rating to minus 88 out of 10 <laughs> <laughs> go, go. <laughs> maybe we should edit that bit out I don't know <laughs> Shem's like no let's stay again <laughs> shit okay yeah well um, some new releases that have come out this week Lingua Ignota released something for Bandcamp Friday she has released some classically influenced stuff. So she's got something from, um, I believe, Handel, something from J.S. Bach, she's covered Iron Lung, and something I've forgotten. But it's 
fucking sick. Check it out. Lingua Ignota is one of the most just incredible vocalists I've ever fucking heard. Well, yeah, Lingua Ignota, she released something recently. Check it out. I will also, I'd like to mention that the Black Heart are also doing a fundraiser at the moment because they're in danger of closing. So if you have the chance to go and check it out, you can win some really fucking cool prizes. And there's new prizes every week. Um, they need a hundred grand to stay open, otherwise they're gone. And like, they are one of the most important venues in London. It's a great venue. Great, yeah. great venue. Great sounds, just great atmosphere. Yeah. Always like the Black Heart. Black Heart. Yeah, like the, the sound, um, the sound engineers there are amazing. Like, Paula is fucking sick like the best sound that you could get from a room that's shaped really weird um and yeah like the people who work there are so lovely and it's just like all the underground bands in london have played that venue and if you want to hear more underground bands if that venue closes then you're going to be hard pressed to find like affordable shows in like an intimate venue to go to so if you have the dollar go and check it out you can win some cool shit that's my uh, that's my pitch yeah yeah, nice. I think uh, I think that's. Uh, I can't really follow that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, thank you so much for watching. If you've watched this far, um, please check out our other videos. Feel free to like and subscribe, etc. The old shebang. Uh, we'd love your support. Let us know if you want us to review anything in particular. Um, if you disagree with us, let us know. We'd happily um, host your comments on our internet places and stuff, and potentially even reply to you. It's always good to have a conversation. And yeah, thank you for watching. This is Serpent Temple out. See ya. See ya.